Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Uncle Marv podcast. I am your host, Uncle Marv, and I am going to be joined very shortly by my good friend, Dr. Phil. For those of you that don't know, Dr. Phil is Philip C. Rothschild from Palm Beach Atlantic College, which is now Palm Beach Atlantic University. So he will be joining us and we will sit and have a chat, reminisce, and chat about what's been happening in our lives oh these many years. I do want to go ahead and say sorry for missing last week. As many of you know, it was Memorial Day weekend, so hopefully you had the day off and spent it with families and hung out and rested. We also, I had, that's my birthday weekend of the wife, so I had to, you know, take her places and woo her and remind her that I still love her after all these years. So that is one reason we were off last week. And going forward, we're probably going to be doing the show once or twice a month. Summer is coming up. I've got a lot of projects coming up. So I wanted to go ahead and let you all know ahead of time so that you're not sitting there and emailing me and messaging me saying, you said every Monday at eight o'clock, why aren't you here? Well, that is why. So I've got some server projects coming up. I got some conferences as we open back up the country. I'll be traveling. And so that will be happening. So can't say that I'll be here every single week, but the show will go on and we're going to be having some fantastic stuff. I also want to let you know before I bring Phil on that every now and then I'm going to be looking up at the screen. Oh, and when I do, I may do something like this. And what that means is that the Florida State women's softball team has just scored a run. They are playing in the Women's College World Series. They are one game away from the championship series. They are playing the second game of their elimination bracket with Alabama, and they are up 7-0. to zero. It is the top of the third inning, so just because they're up right now, I'm going to be watching the screen, and think of this as a quasi-talk show sports radio, because I'm going to look at the screen and I'll give you updates. And right now, Florida State, and this is significant, folks, because as many of you know, I was supposed to go to Florida State. I didn't. Our guest tonight went to Florida State. My sister went to Florida State. And both of them are doctors. I don't know what that really means, but that is what it is. So I'm going to just be, yep, looking up here. So 7-0 Florida State over Alabama, top of the third, two outs. And we will be paying attention to that all night long. But for now, let's go ahead and get our guest in here. As I mentioned earlier, Dr. Philip C. Rothschild is actually from the Palm Bay area, my hometown area in Brevard County. He attended Palm Beach Atlantic right before I did. He graduated the year before I got there. And when I did get there, he was the director of something, director of student activities, director of something. And he was in charge of all of the leadership programs. One of the mentors that kind of inspired me to do some of the things that I did or didn't do. But he was the man. Philip C. Rothschild is joining us. Phil, how are you? Hey, great to be here, Uncle Marv. I want you to know this is one of the very first interviews I've ever done. You know, yeah. Jennifer Jennifer is on the front lines. I'm behind <laughs> the scenes. So for, for me to do an interview is rare. It's very rare. The only time that I've had some FaceTime 
was when Jennifer was on the Dr. Phil show. And also when Jennifer was on the Good Morning America show, I was in the back when they were interviewing her. And they said, some, somebody said, I think Kathy Lee, Gifford, Kathy Lee Gifford said to Jennifer, Jennifer, how do you look so cute in those outfits? And she said, well, it's because my boyfriend, Dr. Phil, always takes a good look at what I'm wearing and, and says, yep, that does you justice or not. And then the camera looked over at me real quick and I just waved. <laughs> and, and Kathy Lee says something to the effect of, there's America's boyfriend right there. Oh, <laughs> so that man. was my literally five seconds of fame. So wow. I'm delighted to be with you, man. Good to catch up with you. I would have figured you'd be interviewed all the time. I mean, you're a doctor, you're a professor, you are, you know, you did all this leadership stuff and, you know, you are, now I assume that you're kind of the logistics man behind Jennifer, right? Yeah, I am. I'm the operations guy. I'm the quality control guy. I'm the marketing guy uh, that's helped to build her platform of these time. And of course, I've, I've had kind of a parallel track, right? I was, I'm a university professor and then I'm also helping uh, do everything I can to help Jennifer's career blossom. So kind of a parallel track, but wouldn't you know, the Lord would have plans for me to be teaching in an area that is so related to what's going on with Jennifer. So I teach entertainment management, which focuses mm. on preparing students for careers in uh, entertainment, music, events, sports, and venue management. And so I can actually take into the classroom the things that we're learning about um, building Jennifer's platform, about producing events and uh, selling books and 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 creating uh, events. So it's very, very cool that God would orchestrate things in our lives for us to be able to, to kind of have these two parallel tracks and they kind of really wed nicely with each other. So I'm honored to be able to do it. But yeah, Jennifer's on the front lines. She's the communicator. I'm the behind the scenes guy and uh, trying to cheer her on everywhere, every place I can. All right. Well, maybe it was perfect timing that you and I came together right now because I've got to get my podcast, not this one, but I've got a professional podcast in my tech life that we're trying to get up and going. And uh, so it may have some, some questions for you after the show. Great. You know, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to help anybody. Sure. All right. So I do want to go back and make sure that we, um, now we're not going to talk about Jennifer as much because this is all about Phil, but Jennifer yeah. uh, <laughs> was a student with us also at Palm Beach Atlantic. Uh, I believe her senior year was my freshman year. That would have been and correct. Yeah, she was. She was a big influence on campus there. Palm Beach Atlantic College. For those of you that don't know, is a primarily Christian school. It wasn't only Christian, but it was influenced, associated with the First Baptist Church. So there was a lot of activities that focused around the church. Uh, some campus ministry stuff. Jennifer, if I remember correctly, was pretty much the. I don't want to say chorus leader. What's the right word? The worship for, leader. The, the worship, worship leader. leader. Yeah. 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 She was so. a worship leader for the campus ministries that took place on typically Thursday night. Uh, you know, that's where Jennifer and I met. So Palm Beach Atlantic University is super, super precious to me. And I've always been a supporter of everything they've they've done and everything they are continuing to do, to do right now to impact lives uh, and the lives of students and, 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 and missions and ministry. So I love PBA and uh, you know, I was there in 81, Jennifer came in 82. So I was a okay. freshman. She was a sophomore. 
No, I'm sorry. She was a sophomore. No, I was. I was <laughs> we get that right. How'd you get her I like was, that? <laughs> I was a sophomore. She was a freshman. I knew that she couldn't see. I knew I had a chance. So I pursued her. And what do you know? Four years later, uh, we got married. So, yeah, we dated for her freshman year. Then we broke up for two years and then came back together when the year that you started coming to PBA. Okay. And that's when we started dating again. And then shortly that thereafter, about about you know nine months later, uh, ten months, eleven, twelve months year later, we uh, mm-hmm. we actually got married in August of uh, nineteen eighty six, right after she graduated. Yeah, yeah. Right. so Very it's well. super special to me. You know, I don't know if you can recall some of these special places, but I think about when I arrived. Uh, you, you, oh, you I, might I know all about Phillips Point. <laughs> you know you know about that. <laughs> All right. That's a special place. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. But it wasn't Phillips Point uh, when you were there. No, no. What in was fact, it? was it, was it a it, parking garage? Or you know a, what it was? It was, it was a, I want to say, uh, I want to say there was a, a sloppy Joe's okay. uh, bar, bar and grill in that hmm. space, in that area. And then it got, Purchased and of course the whole West Palm Beach area along the Intercoastal Waterway got built up, and uh, that was uh, the pink building named Phillips Point, and it has significance. I don't know if your listeners know this, but I, when I asked Jennifer to marry me, uh, we were taking one of those cruises right along the Intercoastal Waterway, the dinner cruises on one of those little paddle boats or something mm-hmm. like that, and I went up to the top deck. And asked Jennifer to marry me, and it was right in front of Phillips Point. So that has significance there. And then the very first kiss that I ever gave Jennifer, and she gave me back, good thing, was (laughs) right there at Phillips Point when it was something else, when it was some kind of a restaurant there. That was my very first kiss with Mm. Jennifer. So pretty significant. It's 1982 and then 86. So great place, Phillips Point and that whole region and area. We loved it, loved it, loved it. It was a great little, great little town back then. So I do want to make an acknowledgement. We have some people joining us live in the chat. And one of the people that we want to bring up, I'm going to, I think I might need my glasses for this to make sure I read it properly. Todd, the overcomer shoemaker, says that Phil was my tour guide when I visited PBA. He was also my boss when I worked at the student center, a great man. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate that. I know you well, Todd, and I remember you so well. And uh, yeah, that was one of my responsibilities was to manage the student center. And uh, Todd and several others were student workers, and uh, they were uh, very instrumental in keeping that 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 place going and, and creating a, a great culture of fun in that student center. So Todd, good to hear from you. And I uh, loved your, uh, loved your uh, uh, documentary that I was able to watch, Todd. Thank you for getting that done and sharing that with the world. All right. So I want to go back and just make sure I don't forget this point, but when you mentioned Phillips Point, I said the reason I I knew of the significance. So I didn't know about it at the time or, and I know that we had kind of seen each other at a couple of reunions, but, you know, kind of passed by and stuff. But 2013, Founders Day. Do you remember that? 2013. So Founders Day. Was that the day that I might have 
Did I come? Did Jennifer and I come in and speak there at the you university? Did. You did. You and she told us about the Tom Selleck story. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I kind of, you know, because Jennifer is blind, I kind of used anything I could to woo her to me. So I kind <laughs> of explained to her or, or told a little bit of a white of a white lie, and that was that I kind of looked like Tom Selleck. And of course, you guys know. During the 80s, there was none bigger than Tom Selleck, Tom Selleck and Magnum P.I. So, yeah, uh, he was she, she believed me. Yeah, he was the man. He was the man. He's kind of like we would say the Chris Helmsworth of the, of the day, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Brad Pitt of today. Yep, that works. That works. All yeah, right. Great. So let's just um, let's see. I don't really have a journey that we're going to take here, although it would just pretty much ask questions. And if you have any you want to ask me, go right ahead. Um, but I do want to make sure. So uh, I know that you currently have technically two jobs. So we mentioned earlier that you're the behind the scenes guy uh, for Jennifer Rothschild ministry. But you, uh, we mentioned earlier, you are the associate professor at Missouri State University, right? That's right. So I live in Springfield, Missouri, and in Springfield, Missouri, there's a uh, university, 26,000 students, Missouri State University. It would be the Florida State of Missouri, whereas Mizzou or University of Missouri is in the northern part of our state. So, yeah, right on. Uh, You know, we don't have we don't have much of a football program yet. Uh, but we're building and growing, and it's a great, great place to be. Springfield is located just 30 minutes north of Branson. And some of you that maybe have gone in the gone to the Midwest or followed Route 66, you would go through Springfield on your way to California and elsewhere on Route 66. So, yeah, it's, it's we've been here for 20, uh, 22 years now. I've been a professor here at 20, for 22 years before that. Oklahoma Baptist University for three years. Love that. And before that, I was a doctoral student at Florida State University, home of those Seminoles who mm-hmm. were hoping. What's the score right now, Marvin? What's the score? So, we- well, you know, I, I kind of you saw me glance over and turn away because Alabama just got on base. But the score is eight to nothing. Florida State in the bottom of the third. All right. All right. Alabama. Alabama has runners on first and second. Uh, with one out, so great. Well, some of my to. some of the my my fondest years was at at Florida State University uh, during the heyday of the Florida State Seminoles football. That's right, team. you were there still when Bobby was around, and we were yep. winning. Should have had a couple more championships, but got two yeah. Uh, yeah. during the Bobby years. Those were so, great years. Let's see. You were there probably. You were there during the two wide rights, weren't you? Yes, I was. I was. I was there also when when we came back and tied uh, University of Florida when we were thirty three points down. Yes, in you know, choke, I think choke maybe Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and that's a beautiful place, Tallahassee. We got such, such dear friends from that region, and that's where I got the opportunity to to meet Todd and Lori Cooley and Mark Richt and Catherine Richt, who are dear friends of ours. And we grew up together with our children about the same age as we grew up together there. We grew up spiritually. We did couples Bible studies, just the three or just the six of us, maybe another couple every now and then. Really important uh, time of our life in terms of just becoming, you know, 
doing the adulting type of thing after uh, and during the time in which we were getting, I was getting my PhD there, PhD there at, at Florida State. So, yeah. And of course, as you might remember, I, and in fact, I, I think this is right, Marvin. Didn't you grow up in Brevard County as well? I did. I grew up on the beach side, Satellite Beach. And what's funny is I remember seeing you the summer of 85 before I went to PBA. Our churches, First Baptist Church, actually my my church was First Baptist of the Atlantic. And you were over at uh, First Baptist of Palm Bay. And we played softball against each other. Yeah, yeah. Here's the deal. I, you know, I was, uh, I just graduated. If you remember, I just graduated in, in 1985 in May. Um, didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I was going to pursue my master's degree at Florida Atlantic University. I knew I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I knew I also needed to make, I, I also was going to be a resident director in the fall at PBA, but didn't know exactly where and what. Um, but during that summer, I took on the position of a youth minister at my home church where I was the youth pastor year after year. And, and and Marvin, those were the days when your small church would allow a youth like myself, who was super green in the faith to preach one time a year during the service. And so yeah. I, I, I had the opportunity to do that two times and was a significant what time of development for me. Um, when you have to open God's word and you have to kind of share it with other people, you really become a good steward of that. And so that's, uh, was really an important part of my life. But yeah, that summer I would take the youth out to these softball tournaments and we would play first Baptist church of the Atlantic. We would be over in, in satellite beach, another location and doing some tournaments. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And so I'm going to let out a little secret here that a lot of people don't know. So I also spent a couple of years as a summer youth minister and I came back to First Baptist First Baptist in the Atlantic. The year after I left Palm Beach Atlantic, I went up to North Carolina and I spent three years of darkness up there. <laughs> I was at South Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, then I came back and did did a summer at First uh, First Baptist FBI. So yeah. we had so there was funny, and the reason I bring a lot of that up is I kind of had paid attention to your path a little bit because I don't know if you remember, but when I got to PBA and you were there doing the student activities, I got into student government. You got me in, into the ambassador program. You were trying to do this uh, student leadership program, although I think by that time I was too busy doing other stuff or getting in trouble or something. I couldn't couldn't do everything there. So I thought I was going to go down that leadership teaching sort of path. Well, and you were a leader. You were you were, as they call it right now, um, BMOC, big man on campus, you know. Uh, you were that person because you ended up being the president of the Student Government Association. Am I yep. right? You, yes, you are. And so interestingly enough, Marvin, that you would say that you're kind of following that path. When I went and got my master's degree at Florida Atlantic University, my thesis was on developing a leadership education program for college students. There was nothing going on in, ter- in terms of skill development and character development at universities, not much right. going on. And 
I had experienced the opportunity to be a leader to some extent on campus. So I wanted to be able to help students become leaders. So I developed this leadership education program, stamp of approval by Dr. Dan McMillan, uh, you know, my boss and vice president for student development and dear friend and mentor. And um, we implemented that leadership education program that required me, you know, two times a week to meet with students and to teach them leadership skills and presentation skills and marketing, marketing themselves kind of skills. And when I stepped into that role, it's then that I realized that I wanted to be in the college classroom Mm. because prior to that, I thought maybe I wanted to be in student development and continue in higher education and continue to be kind of a vice president for student development. I was following the path of Dr. Dan McMillan. Okay. Um, But when I stepped into that role of kind of teaching and facilitating, it really lit my fire. And so after about two years and three years of teaching leaders, students to become leaders and seeing the response of those young men and women, I knew I wanted to be in the classroom and have that, that opportunity. And so that's why in 1991, after about five more years of being there in West Palm beach. So graduated in 85 uh, and then went to Florida state in 91. So six years total after I graduated and pursued my PhD. And um, that, you know, obviously gave me an opportunity to be in the classroom full time, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to have an opportunity to, to, to learn, which I love learning, and then to convey what I've learned to others. And that's what I get to do in the classroom right now. So, again, I can't I can't reinforce uh, anymore how important PBA was to me because it provided me the laboratory to grow as a leader. And then it launched me uh, in my career. Super important people that probably you remember as well, because it was really Karen McGuire. Karen McGuire, yeah. That started the ambassador program. And then when she left, I stepped into it and we identified students like you that were representing the university with class and um, opening doors for people and being hospitality whenever somebody, whenever some dignitary came onto campus at the blue blazers. You remember those blue light blue blazers? Oh, yes, I do. Uh, we yes, were missing one, Marvin. So did you happen to take it with you? No, because I don't have okay. it. Okay. I would have I worn it or, or hung it behind me to let you know I have it. Oh, that would have, I knew you would have done that. Yeah, I, no, but that, that was an important part. And then people like Mark Mayers, one of your contemporaries, yeah. Mark Mayers probably was maybe a year before you in terms of student government. Um, but anyway, PBA, really important. Dr. Dan McMillan, mentor to me, sat through many whiteboard teaching opportunities where, where he would, he would map out, you know, you know, uh, Venn diagrams that, right. you know, that would teach you something about. Uh, you, you, I'm telling you, the two of you were always doing that. And I think that that's kind of where I was like, okay, do we have to do another circle? You guys exactly. were big with the circles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a way to illustrate something. So we did it kind of graphically, but you can blame him for kind of getting me started in that category. <laughs> so, and then I think about uh, Pat Burge, you know, and, and her role in residential life. 
I was just telling Jennifer, there were three places that I remember distinctively uh, when I was at PBA. Number one is Phillips Point that we've already talked about. Right. Number two was when I was a resident director at Hogue Hall. Now, Marvin, were you in Hogue Hall when you came in or were you in Kathy? I, I was in Kathy. Kathy Hall in downtown. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, uh, so for those of you that don't know, Kathy Dorm was technically off campus. And this is how bad it was. When I got the opportunity to make a change at Palm Beach Atlantic, one of the first things I did was to institute a shuttle service because walking from Kathy Dorm to campus was like walking through a war zone. It <laughs> and, was. It was. And, you know, if, if you're not battling roaches and rats on the way out of the dorm, you were battling other elements on the way. My mom had to purchase probably a battery a quarter while I was yeah. there because batteries would be stolen out of our cars and muggings yeah. and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So I was at Kathy dorm and I think I went to Hogue when it turned into the men's dorm. Yeah. And then yeah. I got, then I went, then I got off campus. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, one of those inflection points for me as a young man trying to find my way as a, you know, as a junior and senior in college was being thrust into the role of a resident director responsible for, you know, a hundred men in a dorm called Hogue Hall, which was falling apart. But, you know, we were there. And I remember sitting on the Coke machine in this big, lo- you know, uh, lobby area and having to walk these men through a couple of the rules and regulations and guidance for, you know, how we're going to do things in that organization. So I remember Phillips Point. I remember Hogue Hall. And then I also remember uh, uh, sitting on a bench across the intracoastal waterway in, as the, you, in the, that park. I don't even know park. the name of the park. Don't even remember it, but there's a <laughs> bench there. And it was at, towards the end of my senior year, Marvin, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And I was having to make a decision probably in the month of March about whether or not I was going to come back after I graduated and be in res- and be a resident director. Because there were opportunities that I was kind of sorting through. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. So I just remember being asked, okay, Phil, we need a decision by April because otherwise we got to find somebody in that role. And it was in March. And I just said to them, you know what? I can't give you a decision right now. And I will do my best to hit that March. But I just don't hear from God in, 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 in my heart as to what I'm doing. And so when I struggled with direction, I remember Mike Mahan, our campus minister, another big influence on my life. Mike Mahan gave me a Bible study, uh, uh, just uh, ratty old pages that either he had written up or somebody else, but it was called, it was on the topic of the will of God. And so I was trying to uncover that for my life because I wanted to be very intentional with my life. And I remember going over to this bench and sitting there and pouring through these pages. And ultimately, I can remember very vividly, um, God speaking in my heart that, and through this Bible study, that 
the the most important will for my life is that I draw close to God. And if I draw close to God in my devotions, in my study of his word, in my prayer time, if I draw close to him, then what was going to happen was I was going to have more clarity to listen to the still small voice. So my first response to the person that asked me if I wanted to continue on was, I can't give you a decision, but give me a little bit more time. And that time, you know, really helped because I did. I put away things that were distracting me and I started focusing on those things that were important. And that was what my, my relationship with God. And I got clarity. And Marvin, when you think about it, man, I'm telling you, I get clarity and just look at the rippling effect. I, I get clarity. I decide to come back as a resident director. Okay. If I didn't come back as a resident director, I would not have been with Jennifer Rothschild. I would not have had the opportunity to reunite with her in the fall of that semester. Because remember, we were woken up. I was leaving, you know, the university and Jennifer wasn't my girl. So I came back to the university. I started doing my job. And then one day, it was like in the month of October, Jennifer and her friend Nancy Turnbull, who you okay. might remember, Nancy, okay, basically said, hey, Phil, can you um, give us a ride to the grocery store? And I had a 66 Rambler, American Motors Rambler with a, with a rusted out floorboard and, and an oscillating fan as my air, air conditioning. And I said, sure. <laughs> I'll give you a, a ride to the grocery store. And as we drove to the grocery store, I had a buck, one, one seat. It was a bench seat. And Jennifer was right beside me and, 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 and um, Nancy on the end. And I would take the corners just a little bit faster so that Jennifer would slide up, a clo- <laughs> up close to me. And do you know, it was from that point on that we started seeing each other, talking. Then we get married in 86. Then we start to pray about her ministry and what can happen there. And I start, and so, and in other words, I can't tell you the importance that PBA and following and and drawing close to God, how important that is to me and, and, um, and, and how it, it really thrust me into the path that I can only dream of. I'm, I, I I have no complaints. I am in a spot in a place in my life and in my career and with Jennifer's career that is just at the pinnacle. And I feel so, so grateful for the people that were surrounding me and mentoring me for, uh, you know, understanding the will of God and trying to draw close You know, bottom line, I'm just I'm just at the pinnacle and I just feel blessed. I'm very, very grateful for the time at PBA and the time to influence people like you and and others. And, uh, uh, you know, I I could go on and on and on about my time at PBA. Well, that certainly sounds a lot like the stories I hear from other people about being in a particular place at a particular time and getting the direction needed. And, you know, I'll be honest, Palm Beach Atlantic wasn't on my radar through high school, you know, certainly, you know, there's no football there. So I thought I'd, you know, play football or basketball, got no scholarship offers. I don't understand why, but I ended up deciding to go to Palm Beach Atlantic 
and got involved with leadership there. And I'll be honest, I don't remember a ton of stuff. I mean, I remember stuff. I remember, you know, the talent shows. I remember my time at student government. But it's interesting going back and talking to people now and having them tell me stories about, you remember the one time you did this? And you helped me through a difficult time or you helped me make a decision. And I want to thank you for that. It's odd because even though I wanted to be involved with everything, I wanted to be active. I didn't see myself as that influencer during that time. Hmm. And I have to thank people now for allowing me to be that way. But it really was people like you and, you know, Danny Mac, you know, I remember his his goofy little song. Have a nice, have a nice day. Yes, you know? I love that song too. In fact, I uh, even reprised it uh, during the pandemic. I reprised okay. it when I got uh, some about about hundred of my uh, entertainment management alumni on a Zoom call, and we had kind of a talent show, if you will. And at the very end of that, Jennifer and I sang that song. Oh, nice! All yeah. right, so. Let's let me go back and ask a, a weird question because you grew up in Florida. You went to college in Palm Beach. I mean, come on now. What more beautiful place can you can you go to school there? Now I understand going to Florida State, great school. Yeah. But then you moved to the middle of the country, Oklahoma, yeah. Missouri. Yeah. What was the driving force in that? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, you know, Florida boy, sand in my, in my, in my shoes, you know, and still to this day, if I go back to my roots of Palm Bay, Florida, Melbourne, Tampa, Orlando, any of those areas, I can literally, when I get off the plane, you can smell Florida, Mm -hmm. you know, you can feel Florida. And I had such vivid memories of my times in Palm Bay. It was a time of our lives, Marvin, as you know, that we were allowed to go out and play in the streets. We were allowed to follow the mosquito truck, strangely (laughs) enough, and run through the mosquito fog, crazy as that sounds. We could go out and build forts in the woods. We could walk to our local church. We could, it was just a wonderful place. Football, baseball was so important to me during those development years. Palm Bay Dolphins, Palm Bay Falcons, dear friends of mine from high school and elementary school and middle school, you know, that was, so Florida is ingrained in me and I love it and love every opportunity I get a chance to go back. But when you get your, the thing about getting a PhD, it's not like you can go anywhere and find a job in any city. Like I can't just say, I want to go to Denver. Uh, Like some of my students right now, I'm going to go to Denver and find a job in entertainment or something like that. Uh, event management venue. I can't, you can't do that when you got a PhD, you got to find where the jobs are. Right. So they're at universities. So only certain times of year do positions open up. So the first opportunity that I found out about was with my dear friend, Marty O'Gwen, who I worked with at Palm beach Atlantic. He was at Oklahoma Baptist university. And so my first step into academia was because Marty opened the door for me to come to OBU, where I'd be a business professor uh, at Oklahoma Baptist University. Very similar to PBA, but even even more of a tradition and a rich culture there because mm-hmm. of its history. 
from 1905. Um, so that was yeah, I just had to go to the place where there were jobs. Okay. And then I had an opportunity to head up a program called entertainment management in 1999. It was just starting here at Missouri state university and the chairman of the department, you know, made me an offer to, to come and head up this program started out with about six students. And now it's had over nine, over 932 graduates only be, Cause I just looked at that earlier today when I was working with a student on an alumni directory. Mm -hmm. So it's been fun to, again, pour into and invest into college students. And as um, I think it was Dr. Warren might've always made this statement. um, We not only teach kids how to make a living, but we teach kids how to live. That's my my ultimate goal, even though I'm at a state university. My goal is to teach kids how to have a how to make a living. But I hope to bring in some things, whether it related to leadership or character building or something that would have a positive influence on how to live as well. All right. So during all this moving around, how was Jennifer? Jennifer, did she, just, was, did she happily follow you or did you yeah. have to have some, some prayer time about it? Or? You know, she has always, you know, we've been each other's cheerleader. So um, she's cheered me on during my times of getting my PhD and in my academic career. And I've cheered her on during her career as a, you know, a singer, songwriter, speaker, and now author and Bible study teacher. So it's been one of those type of relationships. Um, but I will tell you this. I would be more apt to retire one day and move back to Florida than would Jennifer. Mm. And strangely, the reason it isn't she from here too. Yeah. She grew up in Miami. She was born in Clearwater, grew up in Miami. And strangely enough, it's, it's, it's somewhat unique, but you know, because she's blind, she still has, you know, there's still light that comes in to her, to her retinas, although she can't, you know, see it or, or use it. But the glare in Florida with the sun out is mm. much harsher on her, oh. her physical um, um, uh, physiology okay. than, than it is here when you've got a change of seasons. The suns are not, the sun is not as bright and as harsh uh, in our, with our change of seasons. So she loves it here. Uh, I love it here. Um, but every chance I get to go back to Florida, I will. In fact, we're hoping to in the future to spend some time, you know, in Florida and chunks of time, we hope. All right. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, when my wife and I, Kim, before we were married, when we were talking about what we were going to do, I was here in Florida and I had already determined before I met her that I wasn't leaving the state again. And then I met her in 94. And we did the long distance thing because she was from outside of Cleveland, Ohio, small town. And when I say small, small town, Mm. like no stoplight for years. So we met and it was one opportunity that I gave her. I said, I'll move to Ohio. And she very astutely said, no, you wouldn't like it here. And I'm glad she said that. 
But her son, yeah. she has a son from a previous marriage who also has visual difficulties. Now, he's not blind, but he has an impairment that we don't know how to describe it because even when he describes what he sees, he can see, but it's like a weird tunnel vision where he's got no peripheral vision, Mm -hmm. no depth perception. Mm -hmm. And he grew up in a community where everybody accepted him. Everybody loved him. They all helped him. And when we were talking about her coming down, it was, you know, the question was, will she bring Josh? And I had to say, I don't know if he's going to have that same type of environment here that he's got there, even though he had you know, graduated and was an adult. But there was just something about making that decision based on his disability that we had to, you know, think about him and what was best for him. So it was interesting that you said that about Jennifer and, yeah. you know, in her Makes eyes. Sense. You, you kind of have to adapt and uh, be willing to give and, and take a little bit. So now again, we love this area now and, uh, the Midwestern, uh, the Midwest and the ethic behind the Midwest is refreshing. Uh, my students are hard workers. Um, it's a, it's, they call it the show me state mm-hmm. of, of Missouri because, you, you know, there's not a lot of fluff and there's not of a lot of, you know, uh, pretension. Um, uh, it's you, you got to show if you if you say you're good at what you do, you got to show me that you're good at what you do. If you say you're going to deliver, then you need to deliver. You can't just kind of put on airs and look the part. You've got to actually deliver. So I don't mind that at all. I kind of like that. It kind of goes along with the idea of having a strong work ethic and and earning what you have an opportunity to gain. All right. Well, nobody can ever accuse you of not having been a hard worker because you worked hard back then when I knew you uh, because not only were you – Working at PBA, you were you were getting your master's and your doctorate while working, right? Yeah, yeah. During my, you know, I was getting my master's degree when I was working at at PBA. Uh, and in fact, funny thing, we laugh about this, but you know, again, in the eighties, everybody, if you remember, if you can just think of tortoise shell rim glasses, these are mild compared to the ones that I had, <laughs> which were like very large and round. Afro. Uh, you know, for yeah, hair. I, I spared the picture. I was going to, I was going to find one of those, those, well, those you, Q-tip you, pictures. You found Nikki the nerd, which is, you know, you know, which is, which is awesome. You must've dug that out of the archives somewhere. And then the other picture with you, I love that. Um, but anyway, I would walk down from my, from where we lived with two briefcases. One was my briefcase with everything related to student activities, student leadership, student development. The other briefcase was the fledgling beginning parts of Jennifer Rothschild as a musician, singer, songwriter. And so I was had that one suitcase just in case somebody called and wanted to book Jennifer. I could do that. That was before mm-hmm. cell phones. So you were like on phones and on DOS uh, green screen computers, you know. DOS 62. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, (laughs) do you remember, do you remember me pitching you the idea of student government purchasing a computer? Man, I don't know if I remember that. Tell me, did we ever come through for you? Well, yeah, we did. And the, the, I think the way that we got you is that we could automate the used book sale with the computer and I created a database. Yeah. Now I remember that. that. We could check in books have them assign the people 
And when the book sale went on, it would calculate the sales and the commission for people. And uh, I remember it was, it it took me probably two months to convince you to. to Oh, that's great. Well, listen, that was probably maybe a, maybe a, you know, 286 leading edge computer. It was 88. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Amazing. It didn't have a hard drive. It had the dual floppy drives. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, Marvin, if now I will tell you, my son, my oldest son, uh, Clayton is a web developer. Oh, is it? And, and, and it's a big deal right now for, for anybody to have one of those historic archive type of computers. So if you happen to have one of those computers laying around, we need to talk afterwards because okay. unfortunately I cleared out my basements over the years, but he built his first computer when he was 13 and, you know, you know, loves that idea and would love to have in the background, you know, one of those old PCs. So, so I myself don't, I had to kind of get rid of some of that, but I know people that do. And I do come across, we actually at times get to clear out businesses and they've got closets of stuff that they haven't used. So next time I get one of those loads, we'll definitely talk because I do come, come across those. That's great. Think about me. That'd be fantastic. I, I'd, I'd be a big hero in the eyes of my my oldest son. That's for sure. All right. So, yeah. So I, I knew you had sons. I didn't remember which one was which. So Clayton is the oldest. And then there's Connor. Yeah. yeah. Clayton is 31 and Connor is 22. So they're 10 years apart. We had some miscarriages in between. And again, God's timing was right. And we've got two incredible young men that uh, Clayton now has three grand, three children. So I'm a grandparent three oh, times. So that's amazing. Another amazing part of life. Um, and, um, and then Connor just graduated from Rice University in Houston, Texas. And he's also into programming, but he does uh, data visualization. So he's got a, an internship uh, to finish up his uh, years at Rice uh, with Axios, which is a news outlet. And then he starts with a data science as a data scientist for a, a firm in Houston in in August. Mm. So it's uh, it's exciting to see both of them, you know, uh, launching and and their careers and and Clayton and you know doing so many good things with his business as well. All so right. yeah, so it's another part of life that I'm I feel so so grateful for. Yeah. All right. So you get to be the uh, grandfather that spoils the grandkids. Absolutely. Have them over just a little bit and say, okay, it's back to you. Yeah. yeah. Here's yeah. some sugar out the door. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, oh man. So that's, uh, that's great. Now, how is it? I mean, and we talked about you being a hard worker back then, but how is it now balancing being the a professor and still doing all of the stuff for Jennifer because this, you know, we not we try not to talk about her as much, but she's blown up. Well, yeah, I listen. We're so again fortunate that um, we've been good stewards. It's been a, you know, you can either be a a you know star overnight, or you can have a you know a, a long march is what I would call it. And we've had a long march over these many years. So it's been, we've been married 35 years this coming August. And for every one of those years, we have, you know, worked together 
um, me really kind of encouraging her that she's got something special. She's just a really an effective communicator and um, she's a great, she's, 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 you know, I just encourage her and she just kind of stepped into it and has been um, totally reliant on the Lord for all the opportunities. And so, yeah, she's, I can't, we can't talk about my life without talking about her life. So yeah, it's two parallel tracks. Um, the good thing now is we've got about, you know, 10 people that work with us to do what we do. And that's produce our Fresh Grounded Faith events, where Jennifer's the featured speaker and then uh, and Bible teacher. And then we bring in two other musical artists or, or comedians or other teachers. And we produce these 12 or 13 events throughout the years, throughout the year. And we replicate that. And then we've got Jennifer's books and Bible studies and video curriculums and things like that are going on. It's again, it's, it's um, a great um, gig for me to be able to bring in everything from contract negotiations to marketing, to software tools that can help build your platform and now into podcasting. So yeah. So fresh grounded faith is where we travel across the country. We'd love to see any friends uh, join us. When, when you go there, you'll see all the different locations that we're at across the um, year. And and by the way, this has been a really crazy year with pan- pandemic. We've had to learn how to go live, live stream, limited numbers, all that kind of stuff. But now we're ramping back up this fall. And I hope everybody's going to get vaccinated that can get vaccinated uh, because it opens up the opportunities for others. So we are um, looking forward to this fall with our fresh kind of faith events. Summer right. is a time summer is a time for me to kind of regroup after a very mm-hmm. busy, busy fall and spring of traveling with Jennifer. And then I regroup in the fall and get ready for another, another fall and spring. All right. So, so for people that are watching the video, whether, whether live tonight or later, uh, I've got the link there, freshgroundedfaith.com. It's in the show notes as well. So head over to uncomarov.com and grab that. We'll also have any other links that we mentioned tonight, jenniferrothschild.com. Uh, but freshgroundedfaith.com is is what Phil just talked about. And now, when now when did you actually change the name? Because you guys were doing this stuff early on. I remember, I don't think I had left PBA yet, and you guys were already traveling around and doing church events on the weekends, and you know, yeah. tra- traveling across the country and stuff. Well, so you showed that one character, that Nikki the Nerd, that I mm-hmm. did on college campus. Well, I took that with. We brought that character with Jennifer to youth camps and youth rallies and senior citizen banquets. So when you start out in your career as a creative, in this case, a worship leader, concert artist, singer, songwriter, you take whatever you can get to get that opportunity, that experience, to be in front of a a group of five or 500. And so we traveled a lot, but those were always invitations, come speak at our camp, come speak at our church, come sing a concert. Well, we've transitioned. We still take some of those dates where people will invite Jennifer in, but now we've transitioned over the last 10 years, really 12 years. We've been been producing our own events where we take on all the risk. We hire all the talent. We produce everything from beginning to the end of the program is our responsibility, plus all the marketing, the ticketing, um, social media, everything that goes along with it. That's what we do with Fresh Ground of Faith. It's a whole different animal 
because you now have an opportunity to basically own the content of the event and create the look and feel that you want to. So with fresh grounded faith, you can see that we give a nod to coffee and we give a nod to that kind of atmosphere where we want you to feel comfortable coming in to our coffee house, if you will, and where we're going to you know, provide a program for you that you're just going to feel welcomed. Um, whether you, you know, are, are a person of faith or not, we want you to feel welcome, but you're, you're going to hear things from the Bible that will inspire you and change you when you come to our conferences. When you are invited to a, to a concert or to a church, you don't have as much control over the everything that goes on before or after. Right, right. So that's what we did. We, we did that for, you know, 22 years traveling all across the country with our keyboard in hand and um, then finally transitioned when you find the right person and people to, to help you can get these things done, but I couldn't do it any earlier than when I started in, in 2000 and 2007 and eight is when we started. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh, put, again, we'll put some of those links in there. Fresh grounded faith, Jennifer Rothschild. And of course you mentioned the podcast, which I have listened to the Four Thirteen podcast. Yeah. And it was funny. I was listening to uh, what was, um, so there's two podcasts that stuck out. And one was, and I, I'm going to get the title wrong, but it's like, how can I not offend somebody or something? Yeah, yeah, that was more recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because. the 413 podcast is based upon the scripture reference that happens to be a life verse for me as well. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So what Jennifer's trying to do in that podcast is at, answer the question: Can I overcome this? Can I? you know, live through this divorce? Can I, and we're, we're a- answering those questions. She's answering those questions in an interview format or for, for her teaching. It, it, so it's 413 podcast based upon Philippians 413. Not to be mistaken, by the way, with the 420 podcast, which is something totally different. <laughs> I don't think there's no For those that there. imbibe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's what we've been doing. And that's really Jennifer's in the zone with that, I, I believe, um, because it's just it's a great place for her to be um, uh, in, in a in a you know podcast setting. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to acknowledge that I've I've seen that podcast and I've subscribed to it. Thank and you, Marvin. It's pretty good. And the the last one that I actually listened to was the one where it says, "Can my past?" Or that wasn't the title. I just listened to uh, where did it go? Can I keep my past from determining my future? Mm, Which yeah. I think is a very topical topic because a lot of us do allow that to mess with us in the sense that yeah. we allow our past to dictate what we do, not only in the future, but in the present. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. Well, you know, um, Marvin, one of the things that had a significant impact on on me as a young man was I battled, you know, uh, skin issues for most of my high school years and even my college years with 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 really a uh, scarring acne. And that if, if there ever was a dark time, there was a dark time for me as well. And 
and again, the, you know, the Lord taught me pretty early on, finally, when I got to college that, you know, what, what may be a scar that, uh, people see and that was scarring for me it does not have to dictate my future and that i could build build who i am based upon not my outward appearance but um by 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 the quality of my character and who i was as a person so that has led that has kind of dictated um my direction as well is just to not focus on the exterior but to focus on who you are not, you know, what you look like. So those are dark times with all the stuff that happens to kids with that, um, you know, condition. So I'm really sensitive to that. Um, for somebody else, it's blindness. For somebody else, it's a dark time, uh, another t- type well, of dark Well, yeah, time. there's a lot of things. And the way that you handled that back then, that I, at least what I could witness, was the sense of you acknowledged that, it was there. I mean, you didn't hide it. I mean, and to be honest, couldn't you hide couldn't, it. Couldn't, couldn't hide, hide it. it. Yeah. yeah. But, but a lot of people would have tried to, you know, shield themselves and not be seen. And you didn't, you were out there. I'm Phil Rothschild and I'm going to conquer the world. I'm going to do this. And you were unashamed of who you were as a person. And I'll be honest with you. There were times that, listen, you mentioned BMOC which there were a lot of times where I had to have a different meaning for that because it was black man on campus and being a black man on a Christian campus in the Southern Baptist convention wasn't always pretty. Yeah. It was a new thing. I mean, PBA wasn't really, you know, significantly diverse at that point in time either. And in those eighties. So yeah, I would imagine it was a, uh, a challenge. And, but there again, what you did, you stepped right into it uh, with, with degree of humility is what I always appreciated out of you is it wasn't, you didn't force your way. You asked, you know, about that computer. Could we, and you persuaded you rationalized why it would be helpful. Um, you weren't, um, you know, uh, antagonistic about it. You were really, really, really uh, just a humble leader that wanted to make a, a, a significant difference on campus. And you did. And you paved the way for a lot of other folks as well. No doubt about that. All right. Well, we actually went a lot longer than we thought, didn't we? Well, I don't even know what time it is, Marvin. Um, I don't know what the – oh, I see now the clock is ticking there. I see it now. Yeah, yeah 59 minutes. Yeah, and, well, this uh, has been really good. Uh, well, I, listen, it's just been good to have a conversation with you and to catch up with you. This is the first time we've talked in 30-something years. So, well, it, at um, length, because we do see each other, and it's kind of like wave and wave. But, you know, I tell yeah. everybody all the time, part of the reason I did this was to force myself to be able to talk to people. And now, of course, I may have to pester a little bit you know, and say, uh, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Yeah, especially me. That's right. Because I wouldn't commit. I was noncommittal for a while there. So I'm glad I'm glad we made it work. And the summer, like I said, is a lot easier for me than the uh, than the typical fall and spring semester. So honored and delighted to be here, Marvin. And and for those of you that are tuning in, um, thank you for for hanging out with us and. And Marvin, again, uh, so proud of you and what you're doing. 
uh, with your business and, and with your life. So I look forward to even more opportunities to catch up. All right. Well, we will do just that. And we're going to go ahead and end up the uh, live portion of the show here. So those of you that are watching and we'll hang out here for a couple of minutes. So if you have questions that you didn't want to bring up during the live show, you can certainly do that. For those of you that are watching after the fact, or if you're listening to the audio, head over to unclemarv.com and this issue, this uh, episode will be posted and we'll have the links uh, with Phil and Jennifer and you can uh, catch up. Of course, head over to unclemarv.com to catch other shows that we've done in the past. And if you like what you're hearing, if you like what you're seeing, uh, head over to the donate page and either get me a cup of coffee, donate on PayPal or shop at the Amazon store and anything that you do there. Your price doesn't change on Amazon, but a commission will come back to help me pay for the stuff that we're doing here and to keep these goings. But uh, we're going to go ahead and end off. Phil, I do want to say thank you for doing this finally. And we'll have to uh, we'll have to squeeze Jennifer in somehow on an upcoming show and uh, chat more about that and and all. We'll that make stuff. it work, Marvin. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep doing what you're doing. All right, we'll do that. So, uh, Phil, hang out here. Um, for those of you watching, we're not going to disappear. As soon as the music's over, we will be live for the post show. But everybody else, we'll be back here on another Monday night at eight p.m. And until next time, holla.